Hello and welcome. It's our final Kentucky Downs show of 2023, covering the races of September 13th, this closing day, Wednesday at Kentucky Downs. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again, getting ready to head up to Toronto for a big weekend of racing there, but very excited about this day at Kentucky Downs. I wanted to do a quick little contest uh, recap before we get going. Interesting stuff that Phil Lamb ends up winning the overall just based on his day one score. Uh, he holds off the rest of the competition. Presumably there are people just shooting for that total on day three. Nobody was able to get there. The other winners, Robert Gianquiti, or Quiti, uh, for the second contest, and then Paul Kimos getting it done on the third day. Paul actually finished with 8,700, but he'd been playing all three, so he wasn't eligible for the uh, AEW-style title belt and the bonus prize for winning the three-day contest. Cool and creative stuff from our friends at Kentucky Downs. Just wanted to give that shout-out to the winners. But we're here today to go over these races on Wednesday, and to do that with me, we bring in a man whose voice you hear all the time on these airwaves. You also read his stuff at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. He's Nick Tamaro. Nick, how are things? Doing great, my friend. Glad to uh, talk to you about the end of this little mini meet. It's been fun to uh, take a look here and there. Yeah, it's been tricky, man. Um, Saturday, was, Saturday was brutal for me. Um, folks that listen to the show with Tyler Wilson know I was uh, all A's heading into the final leg. Needed Santine for about uh, 56,000, and uh, he ran well, but not able to get the job done. Oh, well, um, I wasn't smart enough to, to hedge with uh, with Get Smoking either, but had some winners along the way and, and made a little bit of money. Hopefully, we can make some money on this Wednesday card as well. We'll start off with race number six. We've got an allowance going a mile on the turf. How do you want to light this candle on closing day? I'm uncreative here. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a matter of how much you think the track is going to be playing the way it did over the weekend. And obviously, by the time this race comes up, you'll have a little bit of a window into it. If so, I think you're going to want to upgrade the one clear vision. First off, a claim by Mike Maker. This is a horse that's shown a lot of ability in the past and was really at his best previously on the lead. So expecting to uh, to uh, really show that early foot. Um, if he does, I think he'll become more dangerous. Kentucky Ghost. It just looks looks like a horse that was just a very astute buy at the Horses of Racing HCL for fifty five grand. They're already out. This is a sharp outfit that's affiliated with our friends. Uh, has been in the past at Ten Strike and Kentucky Ghost already won uh, two other than here, which is worth somewhere around three hundred thousand dollars. And um, and now comes back in search of a second win at the short meet. He looks like a major player. I don't see really any big argument. Tab the toad on Dominican Pioneer. It seems like when Wesley Ward's horses are bet. They run a little bit better. And, and the other obvious horses win for the money to me, who comes out of the million. Uh, who And he didn't run badly in that race, obviously, against much better competition. Mark Cassie's quietly had a good little run at the meet. Yeah, that's who I landed on, the 6-1 for the win for the money. Club has a, just the right combination of speed and stamina to succeed here in good form. And I thought was one of the horses that maybe moved a little bit early in the million and that uh, and that pace collapse there. That's the one that I wanted the most. Uh, the one and the three certainly make sense as well. You talked about how the track is playing. What? How would you describe what we saw over the weekend in terms of uh, the prevailing bias at Kentucky Downs for those looking to maybe make some notes and find some horses to bet back as the racing continues on through Keeneland? 
I mean, as has been the case most years, when they take the rail down, the inside's very good. And it seems like, above all, uh, Joel Rosario has caught on to this a lot quicker than a lot of other jockeys, and he's his horses hug the inside as much as possible. So it's going to be hard for him to get over to the rail here with Big Blue Line, who is a horse who actually does have some damn side turf pedigree. But um, it, that was the prevailing bias for sure. It definitely helped speed. I mean, it was a this was a course that carried along the likes of Get Smokin' and Balladeer that were horses that looked like they couldn't get the respective distances that they needed with a bus ticket. So yeah, it's – it's Last uh, night as well. But exactly right. Yep, yep. We saw it happen pretty consistently Saturday and Sunday. So just you know, you want to you want to keep an eye on that. You want to see if that's the still the case, and if so, you want to do whatever you can to take advantage of it and, and upgrade all these horses that'll be forward. I think it's a great point too, and something that people probably don't talk about enough when it comes to biases: finding the riders who can get in tune with it and get in tune with it ahead of the crowd. Rosario certainly being at the top of that list for, for what we've seen at Kentucky Downs this meet. Let's move to race number seven, allowance for the Phillies and Mayors. We're going seven furlongs on the turf. I thought that pure country looked pretty strong in here. I think the distance is going to suit. I thought maybe the last race was even a little bit better than it looked, closing well without a particularly good setup. That was one that I wanted to uh, put forward in this spot. Who do you like in here? Yeah, this is a really tough race. And again, I mean, if the if the prevailing bias continues to exist, I think it's going to change a little bit about what direction you want to go in here. Um, I did think that Pure Country was dangerous coming in off the good five and a half furlong effort. Generally, a horse like that that's really a little bit more uh, route oriented is going to take to the seven eighths trip quite well. I think Salabia is going to be dangerous from the inside. Gets Lasix back on for Brendan Walsh in a situation where she ran poorly in the uh, Ellis Park turf and and just really gets some serious class relief here. So I thought she'd be pretty tough if it looks like the front end is where you want to be. Um, she might not necessarily be quick enough to get the lead, but she's definitely going to be forwardly placed. It's worth noting too, and, and I kind of made note of this when she ran second to for the flag back in March. This is a filly that Chad Brown really thought highly of prior to his debut, her debut, and she ran into Kinesi and Contemporary Art, both of whom ended up being really good horses, and then trying the Woodbine Oaks with Chad. So he obviously had some pretty big aspirations for her, but she might just be a morning glory because she's really not turned out to be much and looks like she's probably just a one other than as far as where she'll end up landing moving forward. But uh, I, I thought this was a really good spot for her, and I wanted to use her prominently. I thought maybe you could get a little bit aggressive – with a horse like uh, uh, How About Them Apples for Phil D'Amato, who was a game winner last out, and use her as well. I just don't want to – I don't want to stack up too many favorites outside of the one, so I'd probably just be one on the top line and the uh, the 4 and 11 as backups. Makes sense to me. Another point about the way the track's been playing and, and vis-a-vis Salabia is that it, I, I do agree, you know, when the inside is good, it helps speed. That's just – that's a byproduct. But just – Horses that you think are going to get good ground-saving trips, you, you move up as well. They don't necessarily need to be on the lead. Sometimes bias is complicated. I wish it was easy to – I wish it was always 100% correlated. Every time the inside is good, it's, it's not always like that. Sometimes the bias is more inside-outside than it is speed closer, and that's something – just something to keep in mind when you're, when you're looking at these races at Kentucky Downs on Wednesday and really anytime you're trying to look at races with an eye towards the bias – Race number eight, we've got two-year-old stakes action in the juvenile sprint stakes. 500000 in the pot. Ten go to post. Nick, we'll keep it with you. 
I mean, on a fair course, good Lord Lori looks like a cinch to me. She was a very impressive debut winner at the Saratoga. This is a pedigree, a Watts Humphrey pedigree loaded with good horses over time. And, and she was very strong. George Weaver's had an incredible year with two-year-olds specifically on the turf, including a win over at Royal Ascot. And uh, I don't think she has to improve at all. He has to improve at all, I should say, to beat this field. And I'm expecting him to run very well. If it does look like we're dealing with the same kind of inside profile, then you're going to upgrade Jimmy the Tooth, who looks like a horse that only has one way to go and and should be forwardly placed in here. I guess the other horse that you'd want to give some consideration to is Bledsoe, who uh, Wesley Ward, it's a Wesley Ward homebred by Iqbal out of a dam who was a seven-time winner for Wesley. Drinking Violet was actually a very, very competent turf sprinter, and this is a horse who I think you can envision having plenty of speed. Also having Joel, what you might get is him trying to get over and draft him behind the leaders if he can't make it all the way to the lead. So that would be a reason to upgrade him. And I, I feel like it, it should be relatively simple in here. If it's not good Lord Lori, it'll almost certainly be the two or nine to me. Interesting. We'll have to talk a little bit about Hedwig, the seven, who I thought was the other one. But I did have good Lord Lori on top. Not really a lot to add to what you said. That was a fast time. Wasn't done under the easiest of circumstances. I think there's more under the hood. And as you mentioned, we were just crushing it with these two-year-old turf sprinters. But I thought Hedwig was a reasonable alternative coming out of that uh, coming out of that Ellis race, finishing full of run in a manner that I thought suggested that the six and a half would be in reach. What is it you don't like about Hedwig? I'm just a little skeptical this horse is going to run back second time out as effectively. This is a barn that hasn't always been that great with horses coming off of wins. Um, it was a good it was a good debut run for sure. I guess I'm just a little bit of an Owen Hardy skeptic, but um, wow. I also wonder how much a horse that's going to almost certainly get a wide trip is going to be able to improve on what I'm thinking is going to be a surface that's still kind to the inside. If it's not, then I think you definitely could give him some some serious consideration, uh, undoubtedly. Good points all regarding uh, Hedwig in race number eight. We've got more stakes action. Phillies this time with two-year-olds going the same six and a half. Big, full, oversubscribed field here in race number nine. I wanted to uh, mention, and, you know, wide, wide trip notwithstanding, potentially. I thought Crown Imperial was interesting. Happy to not see amidst waves in here. I just thought might get a good setup. There's a lot of uh, burning speed here where I was thinking, you know, especially if this one can maybe drop in a little bit, had a chance to, to get a terrific setup and maybe can come storming up the hill. And I also thought that the six hidden class just looked very dangerous right back. Rosario, again, I thought would be able to get a good spot early. I was going to try to get out with those two, 12 and six, but it's obviously uh, pretty open if you want to nominate a few others. What did you think of race number nine? Yeah, this thing also feels like it has the potential to get a little silly on the front end. So, I mean, if we're if we're dealing with a surface that's that's playing pretty fairly, then um, I, I think you're definitely going to want to give Hidden Class an extra long look. Um, I wouldn't be uh, averse to even trying a horse like Determined Driver, who I think maybe ran better on debut than the speed figure indicates. And, and the second place finisher did come right back and win. I know it was a Virginia or Maryland bred race and a Colonial, but I feel like there could be a little bit more there as well. So. Uh, that that could throw a little bit of a wrench into the situation. And, and I say that pace-wise because we're talking about Maya's Halo, Song of Norway, and uh, Buttercream Babe, all of whom come in off of wins where they let it every call. And Copper M didn't get the lead in the Adirondack because she just wasn't fast enough. So, I mean, she's going to show speed as well. So this thing could get very, very quick. And I think that does open the door to uh, to a few horses 
that uh, can make noise at prices. I also don't think if Sweet Catherine Rose gets it off the AE list, she is the most impossible either. I think she's a horse that maybe Joe Sharp just underrated a tad. And I know she got a good setup last time pace-wise, but she didn't get out of the gate all that great and still really burst clear late. So, I, I you know, I think I'm going to use every bit of, of the 7, 12, 13, the 6, and the 3, and um, and I'll probably find a way to include some backups as well that include the one candy girl who, bias or not, she's going to get a good trip stalking that pace from the inside. Who, if I held your feet to the fire for a top pick or asked you to grade the the six that you mentioned into A's and B's, how would you do it? I'd probably make the three my top pick, but I would include uh, – I would make sure I had the three, six, seven, twelve, thirteen as all, all as A's. Three, six, seven, twelve, thirteen as A's and maybe leave the one in the mix as a backup. That's the plan. All right. I like it. Let's go to race number 10 as we close out this Kentucky Downs meet. With three-year-old and up, Phillies and mares, six and a half on the turf yet again, 150000 in the pot for this maiden race. When it comes to this pick five on closing day, how are we going to get paid? Yeah, I've already been informed that I made the too, too big a price on the morning line, um, a, a filly by uh, Uncle Mo out of a mare called Gloaming. This is an old Phipps pedigree. The second family, the second dam is Vespers. So there's obviously some pedigree going back. The first family does not really have any pedigree whatsoever. So um, the second family does include some horses who can run on turf. So apparently I got that one wrong, which, hey, that happens pretty pretty regularly, um, to be perfectly honest. And I'm willing to, to take the lumps there. The, uh, the specific horses in that second family pedigree include hymn book, who, of course, was a stakes winner. He was a grade one winner. He was actually a grade one winner on dirt. So, uh, you know, that horse will probably improve. The reason why that horse's price is so big, too, is this is an awfully competitive race, Pete. I mean, there are a lot of horses in here that ran well first time out. I mean, even a even a horse like Tidal Tactics, who made a, a big, flashy run at, at 34 to 1 in the debut. So, a horse you should improve with experience and, and with opportunity and, and just a, uh, the same amount of ground, but obviously a little bit cleaner start. I thought Fancy Cabernet was very dangerous. I think this is a good jockey switch. To Tyler Gaffalione, this horse looks like the main speed on paper. Uh, there might be plenty of other speed that wants to push it, but she's real sprint speed. And so I'm not going to be surprised if she just wires this field. Kara and Colleen goes first-time turf. Bolt Doro Progeny, 13% first-time turf. Dam tried it twice with no success. This is her first fold to race, but I think there's reason to believe, based on what we've seen on the synthetic, that this horse can run well on the turf. And uh, on top of that, I thought one of the other contenders was a Snow Princess for Bill Mott, who was up for fourth last out, making a wide move and uh, is likely a horse that's better sprinting. The blinkers go on and that might sharpen her up a little bit early. So I'll, uh, uh, I mean, I'm mainly going to use the 10. I'll certainly find a way to fold in the, the uh, five, seven and nine. All right. I like the sound of it. We're very, very similar in here. You, I mean, maybe 20 is strong on the two, but I, I mean, this horse is going to be every bit of 10 to one. I think you got, you have a, you know, you mentioned the second family, but the first family then is dirt influence, dirt influence on the top and and no running in two starts. So I, I don't think you missed that by that much. Um, personally, I'm with you on fancy Cabernet. I mean, this is an improving type, real candidate to be the best speed. That's enough for me. And Karen Colleen also, I just thought looked obvious for whatever reason. Safi Joseph seems to do really well here. And you mentioned y'all didn't win the y'all, the dam didn't win on turf, but I thought it was significant that the dam ran her best figures on turf. So I was going to try to lock this up 10, nine. We'll see if that works out. Um, to close things out of this Kentucky Downs meet. But I'm looking forward to one more day in Franklin, Kentucky next year. I want to get down more. I want to try to do, you know, one of the 
there's the two stretches where they run three out of four days. And I want to try to do all of them one year. Heck, maybe we can get some, uh, some NFL action in the mix as well. I guess you'd have to skip a day of racing to do that if the Titans were home, but I, I just, I love it. Have you been, have you been to Kentucky Downs? I have not. Um, I have never been to Kentucky Downs. I, I really need to go. I um, yeah. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to going at some point. Maybe we'll plan a uh, an ITM uh, internal ad. We'll have our Christmas party in in uh, in the at the end of summer and go there next year or something. It's it uh, it really is it really is a good time and it's been great having them with us and I, I like their creativity in terms of the contest. We'll congratulate all those winners one more time. Put in a quick plug here for Horse Player Happy Hour where uh, we're, we're back. On Thursday, we're going to do a, a mixed card. I'm going to try something a little different. We're going to mirror the exact horse players lineup. Um, you can find the contest online now over at horseplayers.com. Try to turn your $20 into 10000 through Horse Player Happy Hour. Got to get you playing in those games, man. Yeah, I should be getting involved. Maybe Thursday will be a good uh, good opportunity to get started. Excellent, excellent. I like the sound of that. We'll, 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 we'll shout out all of our regulars and anybody who turns <clears> up on that and those shows are fun because they're interactive. We'll have the live stream going from four to five. Come in, tell us who you like, tell us where you're watching from. We'll give you shout outs. We'll answer questions. We'll we'll have a lot of fun. Nick, thank you so much for your help. This entire Kentucky Downs meet. We'll have to hear more of you at the weekend and we'll be talking soon. Sounds great, my friend. Good luck. Good luck, everybody. All right. For Nick Tamaro, for our friends at Kentucky Downs, and most of all, for all of you, the listeners, really appreciate you. Thank you so much. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. <laughs>